Have you been thinking about starting a podcast but aren't sure where to start? I have to tell you about Anchor. It's a free creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but with literally one click, they distribute your podcast to platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more so you can reach more listeners. They make it so easy. It was a no-brainer for us. Try it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work because business is personal. And now, today's story. Today on the More Than Work podcast, we're going to kick off a new series. For those of you who are thinking about how can you be more influential at work, you've got these great ideas. And if other people would just follow you, if they would just let you lead, then you could make a huge difference with this team at work. Some of you might be supervisors and you're like, you're trying to get your employees to follow you. Some of you might be employees who are trying to get others to follow you, or maybe you're trying to get your boss to follow you. All of those things depend on other people doing something. So the question that we have is what can you do to make other people more likely to follow you? Now, fortunately, Gallup did a whole study on this and it's called strengths-based leadership. And in the strengths-based leadership, they looked up what makes followers follow leaders. And what they found were four different traits that leaders have that followers like to follow. And those four traits include trust, compassion, stability, and hope. So we're going to do a four-part series. We're going to do an episode on each of those four different characteristics. And today we're going to talk about one of my favorite ones is trust. Leadership starts with trust, right? If we're going to influence each other, we have to be able to trust what each other does. We've worked with teams before where processes have broken down repeatedly and people don't trust each other at all and that's not going to expect to get anything done. It's very difficult for those teams to make progress doing things because they don't even get through their day uh, without having to look over their shoulder and think about what each other does. We've worked with teams before that have built really high levels of trust before, and you watch those teams perform really, really well. They can take a very difficult task in a difficult situation and perform really well and execute something that normally a team would have difficulty in doing. So trust becomes really, really important. So today we're going to talk about trust. Thanks, Don. So we're talking about trust, and this is this is kind of a fun uh, topic um, uh, to be able to talk about too, because this is one of a few in the series. We haven't done a series yet, right? This is this is a monumental moment for the More Than Work podcast, for the People Centric Consulting Group. This is this is uh, we trust they're going to enjoy it, right? We we trust you are going to follow along for the four part series. I would be remiss too if I didn't point out today is my four year anniversary with People Centric. I'm surprised. Happy anniversary, Matt! Congratulations. Yeah. Sir. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, this is the first time he's held a job for four years consecutive. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, that's good. So that's, not true. that's uh, not true. Just for those who listen. Yeah. Uh, the best I, job he's had ever. So. Well, that's, that's true. That's you know, you know what, Th- this is a good opportunity. And I do think we need to use this here in the podcast, because I think, Matt, you know, you joined our team four years ago, and there's a legendary uh-huh. story that Diana and I actually met with you over at the Springfield Brewing Company, uh-huh. right? and we had dinner. 
And if you, if you know, Matt, just listening to him, you can pick up like Matt's, Matt's got a high level of charisma Mm. and Matt sucked me into his tractor beam about five minutes into the interview. And And if I could paint a picture, it was like a panel interview. I was on one side of the booth, Don and Diana were on the other side of the booth. I was wearing a mint green button up uh shirt just to paint the picture more fully um there and and as we were sitting across black yeah you were probably you were probably wearing black and diana behind her desk she had a picture that said it's just my face so i'm known for charisma she's known for uh you you know you might think that she doesn't like you but she really does on the inside um and you know that was my first interaction so at that interview I don't remember. We were just into it. And I had said something. I was answering a question, just, you know, me being me. And all of a sudden, Don put his head down towards Diana's shoulder. And all I remember, and I don't know if this actually happened, but all I remember was being confused uh, because he was under his breath talking to Diana. And Diana said, hold it together. You've got to ask him. You've got to ask him real questions uh, because uh, at yeah, at that point, um, I thought, what's going on? And he, he was like, I'm just kind of I'm really in tune with what you're saying right now. Like, I think this is great. After I left, needless to say, I called my wife and I said, you know, I don't think that could have gone any better. That's that's the only time that that's happened um, in my you know work history there. So, so today we're going to talk about why you should hire carefully and follow a detailed <laughs> process and don't just go off your instinct. Because Script your answers. Words after that interview. <laughs> That's another episode. That. But <laughs> well, episode. talking about trust today, and <laughs> trust is one of those. Uh, it's it's one of those buzzwords. We keep we keep using these consultory words like communication and you know leadership and things. And trust might even fall in that bucket for a lot of people. So, what does trust actually look like? And maybe this is a two part question. What does it look like? What does it feel like? How do you know you've achieved it? Like we have just all the questions as we're going to walk through uh, this, this idea of trust. So my thought, and let me just kind of uh, paint it a little bit more because I can read the nonverbals of the people looking at me and they're going, I'm not sure if there's a question that he's about to throw to me or not. But my thought is after, after, as I hear the word trust, I also think there's other factors that go into this gaining trust, or we, we view it as something else. Like, um, uh, I, I think, I think communication styles or personality styles also lends itself to this idea of trust. And we'll, we can talk about that. I think psychological safety, we use psychological safety a lot, um, is, is directly related to trust. So I would just like your thoughts, maybe organically team, like what, what are we talking about when we say trust and maybe, uh, what does that look like? Why is it important? I think of trust in different levels, right? It's really easy. Trust is such a big word. And when people say like a team doesn't trust each other, I don't necessarily mean that they distrust each other. That just means that they maybe haven't built trust yet with each other. So a new group coming together for the first time or a new employee coming into a team, of course, there's no trust yet built up because they don't know what each other is about. They haven't learned that yet. They haven't built up that relationship. So to me, when you talk about the trust that we're talking about that followers want to see is it is that that level where not only do I believe that you're going to do what you're going to do, but I believe that we have similar best our, our interests at heart for each other. It's not just the distrust side of things. I mean, there could be the anti version of that. But really what we're trying to get to on the good side, I think, is are we aligned with each other personally? Are we going to yeah. work towards each other? 
And there might be a part of this too that goes more on a personal level, which we don't necessarily need to delve into, but some people give trust more naturally, automatically than other people, right? Other people might have to wait, might have to earn, you know, wait for it to be earned. It's, it's almost this thing that's earned. And maybe that's my personality thing. Maybe that's past experience thing. Diana, were you going to chime in on that? Yeah, I trust no one at the right. very beginning. You have to really earn it with me. And I think the way that you build trust with me has is different. Like I, I love that you just want to have the relationship and you engage me, but I don't trust you until you prove some result to me. I need the result to feel trust. I need to, I need you to show your credibility with me. So I do think you build trust differently with different people as well. Yeah, I agree. Other thoughts. I think that it's funny that you say that Diana, because I think you're good I think you're discerning is what I would say. I don't think distrusting is the right word. I think you're discerning. Like you're, you're, you're careful about the relationships that you form. You know, it, it took me eight years to even break through at all. And we're still not even close, not even close to but she, but you know, she scowls at you while you're doing it. And that's the problem that I have, you know, it's, it's the negative nonverbals. It's just my face. I can't stop. She's not trying. You know, I, I did this, I, you know, I, I was with an organization in Dallas last week and one of the owner of the company, uh, and this is why I was equating trust to personality styles too. Like sometimes I think we just misread. We just have a personality conflict. And I read that sometimes as mistrust. The owner of the company, visionary, ideator. And she's like, you know, sometimes I can develop an idea for an awesome thing that we should do in my mind, drive across town to the office and just relay it out there. And then nobody says anything like they never. And she was equating that. They never trust my ideas. They never go along with my ideas. They don't trust me to have these good ideas. When the reality is, after we were able to kind of relay that story back and forth, it's not an antitrust thing. It's uh, you're an, you're a visionary, and I am a processor, right? I am the person that I want to be as excited as you are about it, but I have to think about it, or I have to ask more questions, or I have to maybe get there. And sometimes we can we can view that because you didn't ride along immediately, like you just don't trust me as a leader. You don't trust my decisions, and I just wanted to be clear that that we're not necessarily. We, we want to call it for what it is. Um, and I don't know if the personality conflict is a lack of trust. Does that make sense? I love that point. Cause sometimes leaders who aren't being followed are saying, well, why don't you just trust me? Just trust me. I don't get what the problem is. Just trust me. Right. But you have to do things to earn that trust. You have to do things to earn that connection with other people so that they're acting in your best interest and you're acting in theirs. And it's a mutual best interest. I, I go back to that a lot. It's difficult to build that. That's not something that just happens. That's not something that just happens by saying, well, I haven't lied to you or you haven't caught me doing something bad recently. So I guess we're okay. Uh, it's really calling out. And actually, I mean, I was joking about Diana before, but her and I have worked together long enough. I think we have a very deep level of trust. Yeah. And that means there's been times where we've had some really uncomfortable conversations of calling each other out and saying, I don't think you handled that very well, or let's, we have to change this, or you're going the wrong direction on this. But whenever you trust each other on that, when the other person brings something challenging like that, it, it allows, it, it creates a safer environment for that. It opens up the conversation. It doesn't close it off like it would if somebody you didn't trust. Yeah, I think we'll put that in the category too. That, you know, you said that and I immediately took a note here. 
benefits of trust. Of course, we're going to get into that, but one of the benefits of trust is that it helps you allow for healthy conflict. I don't want to ruin the surprise, but we're going to talk about that. I would say <laughs> too, before this is all, before this is all over. So, um, okay. So let's talk about as an individual versus, you know, because there's different people that listen to the podcast. There's just individual, you know, frontline employees that are listening to this podcast. There's a manager of a team that's listening, hoping to get tidbits on how to be able to, and if this is, if the topic is trust, the manager is hoping to be able to get tidbits on how to, how do I, have my team trust me? Like, what can I do to create that safe environment to where the, the trust is there? Um, you know, as an employee, how do I create a level of trust with my peers or, you know, those types of things for that information to be able to go, uh, go both ways. So what are some things, I guess, as an individual, uh, first of all, why, why does it matter to me as an employee of a company that other people trust me? Um, and what are some things that I can do maybe to gain that trust? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one, it depends on, so if we're talking about this using like understanding our strengths, which is what this all, you know, comes from and it stems from um, based on strengths finder and how they, how they do this. If you haven't taken your strengths finder test, I would say that's a really good place to start to really understand what you're naturally good at. Because I think as you read that, you will be surprised at how accurate it is. And it sometimes puts into words the things that you don't even think about that you're really good at. Um, so there, it puts a language to it that you maybe haven't thought of before and you realize, oh, that's just something I've always done. I didn't, I didn't even think about it that way. I didn't even think about it as something that I did to build trust with people. I just naturally did that. Um, so, you know, one thing for me as I've been looking into this is one way that I build trust is by creating common ground with people. Um, and just finding connection points with people to just be relatable. Um, so that's something, you know, for me specifically that I that I read and was thinking like, wow, I didn't even I didn't even pick put that in the category of like trust building. That was just something I do. But looking at this with other people that I've worked with, you know, they've they've had to do this because, like you said before, they've they've had trouble working with their teams or they just didn't have buy-in with people. Um, everybody thought that they were against them and when they, when really they weren't, they wanted everybody to succeed. And so they just didn't understand how to use their strengths to build that trust. And so, you know, just some examples from, from this strengths-based leadership, um, you know, with learners specifically, you can do things like admitting when you, when you're still learning or listening or helping others succeed, which I think is an intellection one, um, making sure your information is accurate or you do your homework and that's one for input. Um, delivering, I think Don, somebody said earlier, delivering when you say you will. Um, another thing is like establishing those relationships and working alongside them. To some of you, you might've just heard that and said, well, duh, of course you would do that to build trust with people, but those are not dumb moments for everybody. Um, not everybody does that the same way. I love that. And we think about honoring your commitments as a really basic thing. If you're an employee for a company, you're committing to that company. You're making a commitment to that company. You do basic things like you show up late, you have a bad attitude, anything like that. And you flash just little bits of that. You're violating a commitment you're making to the company. Other people are watching you do that. So that if you have a bad attitude towards your company, then a lot of times that's going to limit your effectiveness as a leader because people are going to wonder what else you have a bad attitude about. Uh, it's honoring commitments to people on your team. If somebody's on your team and they're with you, they need to be with you. If you are bad mouthing other people on your team, 
behind their back with others, they're going to wonder if you're doing that to them too, when you're talking to other people and that damages relationships. I think too, one that we don't talk about a lot, but I think is really important is as an employer, I think you're making a commitment to your employees. Um, Bethany and I were traveling and we were at a restaurant and a server spilled some water right next to us. And the owner of the restaurant came out really fast and said, it's her second day. It's her second day. Jesus, this is her second day, everybody. It's her second day. And you could just see like the look on her face, like, you know, it, it's like, it, it was, it was the employer kind of saying like, I'm barely committed to this person. I'm not even I'm like, I barely hired you. I barely hired this person yeah. uh, just for spilling some water. I mean, it sends a horrible message to everybody. And that does not, that erodes trust because you as an employer are saying like, look, I'm bringing you onto this team. I'm committed to you to some, some bit. I need to honor that commitment uh, and, and being clear about what those commitments are. Sounds like we went a couple of different directions here too. So Bethany is doing a good job of outlining, hey, we, we build trust in different ways. Not necessarily that you need to, I would even say like, okay, so wait a second, I need to think how I build it and then now go do it. I think we just naturally do those things. Uh, but recognizing what it is about you, that that is the trust building part. And then Don kind of went a different direction there too, when we're talking about how to ruin how to ruin the trust that you might have with somebody talking bad about somebody behind their back or, um, you know, like your example there of the owner and the, and the waitress there at the, at the restaurant. So which way do you want to go? Do we want to spend more time talking about the, you know, how we, how maybe individually we can identify that for ourselves uh, here. We could talk about what that looks like. How do we establish trust? How do we build trust? Cause maybe that might relate to some people or do we want to talk about some ways that, common ways that maybe we see people ruin that uh, trust that they're trying so hard to build. Let's build trust first before we try to tear it down. Let's build it first. Okay. Who would like to share how they build trust? Diana, I'm only going to, I'm only looking at you because this was a conversation that, that we had along with Bethany earlier. And I know Bethany just kind of shared what that looked like. Diana, do you want to chime in there with how you build trust and, and why that works for you? Yeah, I am definitely, a lot of my strengths fall in the execution and strategy section of strengths builder or strengths-based leadership. And so I have often found that I build trust by executing on things, right? That do what you say you're going to do. I take that to the next level. And I am always trying to find new ways to help other people get things done better, faster, more efficient, have a better impact. And I also do it through results, right? It's kind of that executor thing. I, I need people to build credibility. I need them to show their knowledge and I need those results in that execution. And that's how I like people to build their trust with me, but I also do that with them. So that's my thing is I'm very much the execution porch part of it. Yeah, I think for me- Conversely, you're the opposite yeah. of that, right, Matt? You like- you love the relationship side of it and you build it by genuinely asking questions and understanding people's emotions and, and watching how everyone's interacting. I don't have any of that in me. Woo and empathy and harmony and all of those things are the very bottom of my strengths, but you do it very differently than I do it. Yeah, you don't even say woo correctly. It's woo, that, oh. that, whole, that whole thing, woo. That's not, that oh. is, there's nothing woo about that. Yeah. Yeah. But recognizing those differences there too. And I think, you know, Don, I'll let you, I'll let you chime in, but as you're chiming in here too, Don, I want, I want to kind of think of as the leader, you know, the choreographer of this team that you have now, why is it important to understand those different things and the different lanes that, that, that we utilize 
to be able to build trust? Like, what does that look like as far as a team component? So maybe share what it is, you know, how it is that you build trust. And then how do you balance these things if you're a, a manager of a group of people like this? It's challenging. And I just spoke at a conference about this, not to just today, uh, you know, online conference, of course, because that's how we do things right now. But uh, you have to get to know your people. Uh, and you have to get to know them, you know, you, not just for the relationship building part, but that is important, but also just so you can listen and understand where people's strengths lie. Where do they naturally lie? What, what do they individually, what are they looking at? Uh, just to give you some context, we're referring a lot to strengths finders and strengths-based leadership through Gallup organization. And again, you can get any of those books and you can take that. But there's four different domains of strengths that fall into this. And, and you've, you've hit on a couple of those already. There's relationship building, right, which, which uh, uh, is, is one that's out there. Uh, there's influencing, which is another one that's out there. And that's, that's people who are trying to influence others, a kind of natural leadership style. There's the executing uh, people who, who work to just get stuff done and show that. And there's strategic thinking. Uh, and that's the strategic thinking is the people who are thinking about what could be the next path and are envisioning the future. Uh, I think the key to building trust is to understand those strengths and help your team to leverage those strengths and share that with the team. And you do that really by communicating. You communicate, hey, Matt's great at this influencing strength. So for the more we can put him into these situations, the more he can win and everybody can trust him to do that. If we need some executing strength, let's bring Diana to do that. And Diana can come in and she's gonna be able to figure out like what the bits and pieces are. And if we need to really build a closer relationship with somebody on that team, we're gonna bring Bethany in and she's gonna build a relationship and coach with them. And if we need to step back and think about what do we do with that client, then we bring Don in and Don can think strategically about what's the best direction to take them to have the best possible results. Now we're getting to leverage all of our different individual strengths. We're choreographing it as a leader. And that shows where I need other people, that I need other people. And when you need other people, that's how trust starts to build. So two different things to, to be able to take into consideration, I guess, as far as just an employee and myself, or in, I won't even say like employees, a frontline employee as an individual, let's say as an individual, whether I'm an employee or frontline or boss, uh, whatever that looks like, there's elements to be able to understand how it is that I effectively build trust with others. Uh, but then also as a choreographer or a manager of a team that I have to balance all of these different personalities there, um, you know, understanding what it, how it is that, that uh, you know, how they build trust. But Diana said it well, too. This is also how I, I, I build trust with you, but I also gain trust um, as well. Like when you're doing those things for me, that's also how I, I gain trust with you. So what are some ways that uh, we have seen that, that, that maybe diminish the trust? Maybe this, maybe you're a person listening to the podcast right now and you're going, um, man, I wish I could be at that level. I just feel like I don't have any trust for my team or I feel like they're all against me. I mean, we hear that, we hear that quite a bit. Um, you know, what are some ways that, that people typically ruin trust? I think when roles are really poorly defined, you get the antithesis of what we just talked about. If people aren't sure where they fit in or what they're supposed to do, then what happens is people throw a ball up in the air expecting someone else to catch it and no one ever catches it. And then they start to blame everybody around them. Um, I, I, we see that a lot, actually. You would think that everybody's at work, they're working really hard and roles are really well-defined for everybody in terms of what they do and what they bring to the team and what winning looks like for each of them individually. But that is a big problem in a lot of organizations. Everybody does a little bit of everything. And there's an old saying, like, if everybody does everything, then nobody does anything or something. I didn't say that well, but I trust. It's a good try. 
other people to go look that up on the internet and find out what the saying is. But the idea, <laughs> the idea is that if somebody's going to take care of it, then it's unclear who's going to take care of it. And then trust starts to break down because things don't work. And it's natural for us if things don't work and we did something that we thought contributed to a win, but somebody else didn't do it, you know, the, then that's where trust starts to break down. Yeah. And I would also throw a couple of other things out there too. When we don't take the time as a manager or a leader of people, whenever I don't take the time to invest or get to know my people, uh, like I think there's a personal element in, in that as well. I work with a city administration and one of the police officers for one of the city administrations, I won't, I'll protect the innocent here. Uh, one of the police officers said, man, <laughs> he had gotten an award for saving someone's life from the chief of police, saving someone's life, CPR, the whole nine yards, got an award certificate, is handed out and it has the incorrect name on the certificate. So I don't know what you, how that equates. I don't know what you, how, how you would feel about that, but immediately now I don't feel like you value me. I don't even feel like you know me. And if those are two, two things, I, how can I trust you? Um, I mean, that, those are, that's a classic example. I think that's, that's maybe even a dramatic example of not taking the time to invest, um, you know, into getting to know the people to be able to gain their trust. And the, it takes time to be able to build that relationship. In fact, that officer looked me in the eye and said, uh, I will bet you a hundred dollars right now that the chief doesn't even know my name, my first name. I bet you, I bet you go ask him. I bet you wouldn't even know. Him. And how do I trust? How, how is there trust in that relationship at all? And the answer is probably not. We got to take time to, to understand our people and know what makes them tick at the same time too. And you can see another mechanism that jumps out from that, Mike. I mean, Matt, sorry. Uh, that that can, <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, yeah. That can create a challenge is, you know, I, I'm listening to that as, as a manager of a team who has trouble with names. And I could see easily like missing something and putting something wrong on like that. Like that's, that's a big mistake. It is a big mistake. So there, there's, the, there's the mechanism of a potential mistake that's out there, or does the person just not even get to know you? And you could see how the mistakes could send people down a distrust path, even if that's not true. Even if that right. chief does get to know everybody and does know that person's name, like they might, he might surprise them and in terms of what he actually knows. Yeah, there's probably other extenuating circumstances there. The reason why we joke kind of about my work anniversary is because legit, like the first year or two, like nobody said anything, right? And then I came from an organization where like, what, what do you get on the five-year anniversary? What do you get on the 10? You know, at least it's a balloon and a candy bar for crying out loud, you know? And, and Don and I were doing this, Don and I were doing this, uh, oh, this training at a hospital a couple of years ago, uh, maybe a year ago now, I'm losing track of time. And it was my work anniversary. And Don hadn't said, and I, I told the group of people in front of us. And by the end of the session, the little seminar, they had passed a piece of notebook paper around and made a card for me that said, well, happy anniversary like that too. So we, I mean, we have a, a good relationship to where I don't take any offense. I don't read that as mistrust. But in the other, other example I was using, there's other extenuating things that are happening there that now this is just another example of us not feeling valued and another reason why I can't trust you. So there's other, probably wasn't that one-time incident. Bethany? Yeah, and I think it's good to be aware of that too. I think it's two-sided to be able to listen and understand that 
I didn't mean that offensively or I wasn't trying to be hurtful or whatever, but I should hear and understand that that does come across as maybe disrespectful or I'm losing that person's trust or whatever if I get their name wrong or I don't engage them and talk to them and ask them about their life and their day. I had a conversation with another leader recently about this too, where she was saying, you know, my, my employees, they don't trust me. And they say that I just don't talk to them when I come in. And she's like, I don't, I just don't have a lot in common with them. So I'm not even sure what I would talk to them about, you know? And so you're like, okay, well, you know, there's probably some, there's probably an in-between. So you may not mean anything by it. You may really like them. You may think they're doing a great job, but this is how it comes across. So you probably need to to take an, you know, take some time and get to know them a little bit as well. And so I think just being humble to, to hear that and listen to that and, and, you know, take some steps forward. I like that story because it's, I, I come in and my employees say, I don't even talk to them when I come in and they, they pretty much agreed with that. You're like, yeah, I don't talk to the employees when I come in because I don't know what to say to them. Like we're on the same page there. <laughs> You know, yeah. it strikes me, we talk about narrative paradigms and the stories we tell ourselves and, you know, narrative paradigm meaning a story and a paradigm meaning a theme. I've never really thought of it this way, but trust is a narrative paradigm. Like in your paradigm, like you fall into it or out of it. And if you are not in it, then all those little signals that you get are evidence that you're going to use to show that why I shouldn't trust you because you got my name wrong on the certificate and things like that. You know, the, but if I'm in a positive paradigm, then when we miss the work anniversary, because normal people don't celebrate work anniversaries that that's not, not that's not true you're living in a bubble everybody else I'm here to be here i don't what else do you want, <laughs> else do you want? <laughs> and the other parts of the relationship the narrative paradigm the trust is there then it doesn't have as much of a negative impact for that and for the record just because we knew that it does mean a lot to matt diana put it on her calendar as a special event there i sent you a little electronic sticker i can't even think of anything thing. else we could possibly do more for you than we've already done matt yeah and no it's great to be here I just... and i and i got paid to to be here just like i did yesterday also <laughs> uh and the day before that so the consistency is nice. Um, I do. I do appreciate and that. And maybe tomorrow. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> see how this ends up. Um, you know, and, and you, you talked about, you know, equating this trust man into this narrative paradigm. And I thought also, you know, another example, of this is like praise and recognition, where it feels like if I don't understand how it is that you want to be recognized, but I'm trying to recognize you in the way that I think I would like to be recognized, but it's opposite, then you're not going to feel very recognized. And we just went around the table talking about the different ways that we build trust. If I'm trying to build trust uh, with you, but it's not necessarily computing, like Diana said, man, this is how I build trust. And this is also how I, uh, how I build trust with you, but also how I start to build trust uh, the opposite, both ways, both directions, this works. And so maybe if we feel like, man, I've tried over and over with this relationship, if I'm going to Diana and it's like, yeah, I just keep trying to take her to coffee. I keep trying to have a conversation. I keep trying to build the relationship. And then she's going, no, 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 I need more. Like they have to complete something or fulfill something. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's, uh, you know, in front of you now at work. Um, as well. What is it that you're trying to, you're, you're, you're killing yourself trying to build that relationship or trying to build that trust. What's missing? What's, what's the conversation or maybe the question that's missing that, that we haven't uncovered yet for you to help, uh, help build that relationship and that trust. I think that's a great question because in a narrative paradigm, breaking out of it is what's called an epiphany, which means you heard information that directly conflicts the paradigm that you were in. 
So if there's somebody that you don't trust and they do something that's very trustworthy, that is what starts to, you start to think, well, maybe they, maybe I've, I've misjudged that person. Uh, and then they, you start to, it starts to build back. You know, I think you talked about things that degrade trust. I think another really common one at work is missing commitments to things. It's overcommitting. So usually the mechanism that we see happening is some people raise their hand. We have a team that we work with and there's one person who always raises their hand to do projects and they consistently don't get the project done consistently. <laughs> and the, the problem is, is the conversation, they've done it enough times now, whenever that person raises their hand, there's looks around across the room at each other. Like, oh boy, here we, we're not going to get that done. Like, okay, great. Now that person stepped up and they, they're going to take this, this step. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a common mechanism. And I think that person is well-meaning because they want to step in. They're trying to show, look at all the things I can do. And so they're taking on all these things. But I think overcommitting is another problem that we see that does erode trust on teams. Yeah, I agree. What are some of the benefits of trust? Let's transition this conversation to the benefits. Um, you know, because again, uh, trust might be one of those feel good words that, you know, uh, why do I need to take time to do this? Like, can't we all be adults and just do your job? Like, why do you have to, you have your job, you have your description, you have the expectations. I don't understand why I need to go this, this extra step and build trust, but there's some benefits of it being able to have trust in a working relationship too. How would you read that? What are some of the benefits that you have seen from building trust? I mean, one of the benefits and why we're doing this whole series is if you want to lead others, you have to start with trust. That's really clear in, in the Gallup studies. If people don't trust you, they're not going to follow you. So if you want to be influential and you want to be able to really leverage the strengths of other people who have different strengths than you, you have to be trustworthy to be able to build that. That's, I think that's the, that's the first benefit of trust, one of the biggest ones. You know, I talked earlier about healthy conflict. You know, one of the one of the benefits of trust is it allows for this idea of healthy conflict, healthy conflict within an organization. We you know, when we show this on a PowerPoint, people are Ugh, conflict. I want to stay away from that as much as I can. Right. Why would you even say that? Why would you even say that word in this room with these people conflict? But there's a difference between healthy conflict and disruptive conflict. Healthy conflict is where we can air our grievances. Uh, maybe in front of a, a person or groups of people, uh, and we can challenge maybe the status quo, something where it's been, it's been over and over again. You know, do you have that person in the room that's going, uh, guys, we've done this the same way for the last five years. I know that it, it's been working like that, but is there a better way that we can possibly do this? Um, why would we continue to go down that road? And sometimes we have this conversation talking about what types of clients might be best for us to work with. Um, you know, we're all, we're pretty good with all of them, but we do have others that where, you know, times where it's, it's like, uh, okay, so maybe we should go here and we, we open up for collaboration here with maybe we should do this or where's the person in the room that's going, no, 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 no. I think we've done that. I think we should stop doing that and go this direction completely. And that's, that's an idea of what healthy conflict looks like. And if we don't have an opportunity for that healthy conflict, I think we're leaving money on the table, Don. I, I want to take, I want to take, you talk about healthy conflict. I'm going to take this really healthy platform right now and talk about my in-laws for a second so both of my wife's parents are musicians both of them are when i was in college i was also in some different musical groups so i did the men's glee club all the things that the cool kids did right uh, you know jazz ensemble those kinds of things yeah right. all the cool things and they would frequently come to concerts and my wife was a music major, so they come see her stuff too. She also did stuff, concerts and things. <laughs> but one of the things that surprised, I went to the first time we, I had a concert 
they came and I said, so what did you think afterwards? And they told me what they thought. It wasn't the after show like, hey, that was fantastic. So good. You did such a great job. Yeah. It was like, boy, that first piece, you guys did not start that right. Right. You guys, that did not sound good. Like that did not come off second. But the second piece, I mean, that turned out, I really like that one. That was really cool. That sounded good. And you had somebody was flat on this one. And I mean, they and told you're like, you, I wasn't in the second piece. And they're like, right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you noticed that. You noticed that. Did that was you? my favorite part. Yeah. That's my favorite. Every time you were down here, I was, things were going well. But over time, it, it threw me a little bit because you're used to like in performance, when you go to talk, ask somebody, you know, how, how was it? I loved it. You were so good. It was great. People just tend to gush. But I learned over time that as they came to different shows, that I had such a deeper respect for the opinions that they gave yeah. because they were willing to be open about it. It's, di it's difficult to be able to do that. And it does require some trust, but it also builds trust with people. If you know... When, when they came to something and they said they really liked it, I know they really liked it because they told me when they didn't. That's great. And we also learned that Don was an engineering student and in the Glee Club. No way. Like that. You, I, I clearly, oh that's God. why I met my wife in college because that's, <laughs> right. That, right, right. that's a hard stand to pass. You, you got to stop. <laughs> You're going to stop. <laughs> See what they're selling. Anything we're going to add? No, I was just saying he's multi-talented. That's all. Oh, multi-talented. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I have a couple others to throw out here to you too, as, as well. But as far as benefits of trust, I think now you're opening it up to further collaboration. And I'm going to couple that with this other word, uh, creativity. I think if there's a mutual level of, level of trust, now we're able to probably have more open collaboration and creativity because I'm not necessarily afraid to share my ideas or thoughts. We have good trust. And, and, and even if you're going to tell, tell me no, right? Like Don had just talked about, at least you're going to be honest. And, and I value that honest. I think, I think one of the ways that you, people can lose trust is because they, they become this, like this, they're getting all their feedback from these yes men. The, the, yeah, that's great. No, 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 no. I wouldn't change a thing about you. It's all them. Don't worry. They're the ones who are messed up. You're great. Uh, those types of things. So opens up creativity, opens up collaboration, I would say too. Other benefits of trust that you can think of? It lessens micromanaging. We work with a oh, clinic yeah. that, that everybody distrusts everybody in the clinic. And so there's like factions of people micromanaging other factions and it's just a disaster like if they would trust that other branches were going to do what they say they were going to do and if you can kind of give projects away and say like no they're going to do their job really well and it's fine it eliminates a lot of that micromanaging and I've never met a single person who's like I love micromanaging and I love to be micromanaged so Ooh, it yeah. gets rid of that stuff yeah love me some micromanaging Mm, yeah i think also in your story diana you clearly those people don't like the job it's just not very fun to work with people you don't trust it's just yeah not very they're fun. all miserable they're all miserable like the we even opened the meeting with like okay guys we know everyone's miserable here and they all were like yep that's the one thing we agree on it's just tough to work there every day that was an insider trick of where can we start well if we're all miserable and we all hate it here and we all think we're not successful we do have something in common. <laughs> let's start with that and let's dig our way out of that insider tip, pro tip. Yeah. 
All right. So hopefully you've learned some benefits, also some ways, some classic examples of how, how trust is, is ruined as well. We talked about building trust as an individual and understand that we might use different mechanisms to build trust uh, with people and, and also to gain trust uh, with others. But then also, also, in addition to that, as a manager of a team or a leader of people, now I have to balance all of these different personalities and be able to create trust with all of the individuals in order to help with things like efficiency or creativity or collaboration, project management, all all of these different things, which is where trust lies. So again, this is the first of a four-part series here. What, what's the next topic? Well, we're going to jump into the next three sections of leadership, the next traits that followers follow. And we're going to talk about compassion, stability, and hope. So next time, I think we're going to talk about compassion. Mm -hmm. So Diana, this is going to be your favorite one, is a little bit of compassion. Yeah, Gross. she'll leave it. Yeah. I'll leave it. Oh, <laughs> lead it or leave it. All right. Yeah. So as we are wrapping up here, let's go around the table one more time to give a quick tip on building trust. Um, if I'm an individual or uh, even as that team manager platform, uh, or maybe one of the stop it's uh, that, that we can give if they're uh, trying to figure out why they keep ruining trust. So wherever you would like to go, what's your quick tip for trust? You can start asking yourself the question, um, you know, am I listening to hear how maybe my actions may come across as not trustworthy? Um, are you keeping an ear out for that? And maybe even you need to actively ask somebody else um, who works closely with you, who can give you that, that non-biased insight um, to help you help you overcome that if you're feeling stuck and like you can't build trust with people. Great. Thanks, Bethany. Diana? to look for ways that people want to build trust with you, right? Matt, when you and I built trust, I wanted to show you that I was very good at my job and show you that I could get results. And you were like, that's cool, but I really just want to know you. And I want to know what you think and what you feel. And I want that relationship. And then when I was trying to learn how to trust you, I wanted to see results and work and knowledge. And it and, and you wanted me to ask you those questions back, right? You wanted me to say, how was your day? How's your kids? How's life, right? And so I think you have to recognize that trust isn't built the same for everybody. And if you can flex just a little bit and see how people want to receive trust and want to build trust with you, that you'll get a little bit further quicker. That's great. Thanks, Diana. Don. I love that. I'm going to build on that a little bit. If you look at these four things that followers need, trust, compassion, stability, and hope, all of them are something that you can provide, but it's also something that requires the other person. All of them requires the other person. So I'm going to say you need to meet the other person where you, they are. You have to build it together. Uh, and it is a paradigm. So you will fall into something and you might, if, so if you're in the distrust paradigm, you may have to break through that. And it's gonna take some time and some work and some effort but you both probably want it. People do want to trust each other. They do want to ultimately at the end of the day, be yeah. able to work together more effectively. Yeah, and I think for me, I'm gonna, get it, gonna give the reverse thought of these benefits of, of trust. If I'm that leader that's sitting here listening to this podcast going, I don't think I struggle with trust. I, I think I've got that down pretty well, but then maybe think about your team and do you have healthy conflict or does it feel kind of stagnant? 
Uh, do you feel, do you get frustrated because we're not collaborating or bringing forward creative ideas uh, at a rate uh, that it is, you know, that, that, that might be acceptable, acceptable to you or taking Diana's thought lessons, the micromanaging, are you stuck in the weeds where it feels like, man, I got to do all of these different things or follow up on things. I think if, if the answer to those, those questions are yes, then you might actually have an issue with this whole idea of trust on your, on your team. So be open to what that looks like and maybe pulse check that time to have a good transparent conversation with your team and see what that looks like. So hope you enjoyed it. Hope you gathered some uh, fruitful tips there on this topic of trust. And we will look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening today. The More Than Work podcast is produced by People-Centric Consulting Group, a consulting firm that believes people should be put at the center of every organization. If you have a topic you want our team of experts to address, feel free to contact us at morethanworkpodcast at peopleccg.com. You can also learn more about us by visiting our website at www.peoplecentric.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week to give you practical advice that you can use to improve your work. In the meantime, lead well.